Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another edition of Technology Expresso Cafe Radio. Dave and Jacqueline bring you up close and personal to the innovators, contributors, and creative minds in and around technology today. Visit our website portal at www.technologyexpresso.com. There, you will find a full list of our broadcasts from all across the technology spectrum, our social media handles, and related content. So sit back with Dave and Jacqueline as they serve up Technology Expresso, fast, hot, and intense. And hello, this is Jacqueline Sanders-Blackman of Technology Expresso. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining us on what for some is going to be your lunch hour, for some it may be the morning, but uh, whatever the case may be, thank you for joining us. And for those who listen to our podcast and the archives as well, we always appreciate your support. Today's episode, we are continuing our biweekly episode with none other than Coop. Cooper Smith, hey. president of B2T Training. Hey, Coop, how are you? I'm good. And, you know, I didn't know if you were going to say this or not, but I think our show just went international since I'm calling in from Toronto, Canada. So we are there officially an international show overnight. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Connecting all of our worlds together. Awesome. That's right. Well, you know, as always, we're serving up, uh, you know, different flavors of technology and, and information uh, technology and, and how that all works with different projects and programs. And so today is no different. We're kind of switching it up, and our topic is going to be around DISC. And so I'm going to be genuinely asking questions because this is new territory for me and um, looking forward to your perspective of it. So why don't you start us out by uh, telling us, what is DISC, D-I-S-C? What is it? All right. So DISC is, and I assume many people have dealt with a lot of the different personality type of tests or behavioral tests, but DISC is one of those behavioral um, type, uh, I was going to say exam, it's not an exam, it's a behavioral type, you know, quiz that you take to find out what is your main kind of behavior style. And this stands for, those are the four different, four main behavior styles. Um, So D is dominance, I is influence, S is steadiness, and C is conscientious. So of all the you know, millions of people have, have taken this, and the, the studies by really smart psychologists kind of created this. Started back in the 50s and been adapted over the years. But basically, everybody, 25% of people fall in D, 20 in I, 25, or sorry, 25 in each quadrant, basically. So um, everybody falls in one of those. And um, just to give you a little more background on what each of those means, so people that are in the dominance that their personality type kind of falls or their behavior. It's not really personality, it's behaviors. Um, They're the more decisive type people. They're very independent and they're results focused. So they just want to 
get things done and get to the results, and they're very straightforward. Um, so I'm sure we've all dealt with people like that. Influence is the I, and that's kind of where I, that's my, I'm a really high I. I'm really like deep in the I sphere. Um, and those are the people that are enthusiastic, talkative, so it's no surprise that I love doing a radio show because I get to talk a lot. Um, spontaneous and demonstrative. So, you know, they really show expressions. Like for me, it's hard for me to hide sometimes my my feelings, right? It's it's those people you see that, you know, uh, people say you wear your emotions on your sleeve so everybody can see that. Very expressive. Um, S are the steadiness group, and those are the real warm, friendly, inviting, supportive type people, very cooperative, very agreeable, very collaborative. They want to work closely with people, and they want to help people. Um, they're the ones that uh, you can rely on for a lot of things. Those are the people that have your back. Um, the conscientious is the C, and those are the very orderly type people. They're very persistent, very detailed, um, and you know they come across as very serious. There's a picture when I facilitate sessions with teams or with individuals, you know, there's a picture I bring up and it's this like real serious looking cat. Um, so, but these are the people that, you know, uh, the people in the C space we all need, even though they might be serious, but I know if, if I have something to be proofread, I give it to a C, right? I know they're going to go through it. They're going to be very detail oriented. Um, they're also the ones that they follow up a lot. So Mary, who's on our team, our operations manager, um, she's clearly a C. Like if I have to get something to her, she follows up every two days. There's an email. Hey, what about this, Coop? You've got to get back to me on this. So those type of people. Does that, that give you a, a better background? It does. It does indeed. Yeah. And you know, you 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 mentioned there's different. You know, there there's different behavior type um, tests. And I know that you've been exposed to you know a, a couple of different. Why does right. this you know resonate with you? Well, I think you know. So the ones that I've been more privy to, I haven't done strength finders, but people have like have given me feedback on that, and they like that one. Um, but I've been the Berkman. Berkman is one. It's a really detailed report. It's really good, but very detailed. Um, and then there's, uh, you know, Myers-Briggs, the MBTI. And a lot of people, you know, you always hear people talk, are you an extrovert or an introvert? Um, so my comparison to why I like DISC over, over like, the Myers-Briggs, that, you know, Myers-Briggs focuses more on how you think about situations um, and where – where DISC is focused on outward-facing behaviors that people can really feel and touch and understand. So, um, so I think overall DISC is just a – it's pretty – it's very accurate because um, I've taken the test a few different times, and it's very consistent and accurate, but it also – it's easy to understand. So the reporting that comes from it, um, although I'm a – you know, a certified DISC facilitator, and I can help people understand what the report means for them and how they can work better with other people, um, it's fairly easy to understand for people. So um, and gives a lot of, you know, the reporting that comes out of it gives a lot of tips on how to, um, how you do, one, understanding your behavior style so that you can recognize, you know, with all the behavior styles, you fall into, like, stress mode, and when there's an issue 
there's uh, people tend to overuse or overextend themselves in their personality. So like for the D's with straightforward, you know, when they get into tense situations, the fact that they're so straightforward, you can imagine sometimes they hurt people's feelings, right? And they, uh, because they are so direct. Um, so by overextending, there are, are areas, it, it's not like one behavior style is good or bad or better than another, but when you overextend, everybody has these overextensions. So you need to understand what happens when you overextend and so that you can better interact with people and then how you, how you better interact with different types of behavior styles. So it's just for me, it's, um, it's accurate, it's consistent, and it's really easy or it's simpler, I felt, to, to really um, – to understand how to use. And then, you know, the other thing is you can, because it's behaviors that are outward facing that you can see, um, there's tips that I can share on, well, how do you quickly read somebody and potentially understand what their behavior style is and then act in that way so you best work with that person? Uh, interesting. Very interesting. And and I do like, because like you said, I, I saw – uh, as we were building up to this, the difference between just a personality test and a, a behavior test, because in, in a way, too, you know, some people, and I've, I've seen this with personality tests, they're like, well, that's just the way I am, accept me. And, and personality, you know, it's like you're not trying to change the person, but there's all always behaviors. And it also sounds like it's, like you said, of interest to you to understand those behaviors because sometimes you paint yourself into stressful situations and maybe you can see them coming and right. based on your behavior make some adjustments. So it's it's also a way for you to kind of, uh, you know, to help yourself and to avoid stressful situations or deal with stressful situations. So that piques my interest right away. So Yeah, um, yeah, the more you know about that and you feel – like you could start to sense it, like, oh, okay, I'm overextending myself here. I see what's going on. Um, then you could, you know, potentially pull back and and stop that from happening. Absolutely. Now, let me ask you because you 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 have you just mentioned that you were a certified facilitator. So, what is a facilitated session? What what happens when you come out uh, and you're dealing with, I guess, a team or a group? What does that look like? What, so everybody, and there's different levels. Like I, I just did one for a group at a conference, and that was the, I guess, a simpler um, format. So basically there's, a, like I would bring with me the assessment question, so everybody kind of walks through, and it's just on a piece of paper, and they can add up. Basically you answer 10 questions, and you have to rank um, how you are in 10 different situations, and then it gives depending on what number one is, which you're most likely, you know, you add up all the scores and it gives you find out, oh, I'm primarily a D or I'm primarily an I. Um, and then those sessions go through and I explain, okay, what does that mean, right? So what, is, what does a D mean? You know, I take a little longer than I just did there. Um, and then we have everybody, so then we plot everybody on a chart to see where they kind of fall into place and kind of look at, okay, where, you know, where the people are in the group, kind of where are they falling. Um, and, and let me step back. So if I do it for a group that I don't know who's going to be there, I, we do the simple version. But if people are going to, we know 
who the team is, then we can send them an online exam, which is a little more in-depth, goes in deeper. Um, and the reporting that comes out gives, um, one, specific examples to that individual. So not only does it say if they're an I, but it also ranks like how close to a D are they or how close to a, uh, an S are they or how close to the center are they. So it, it's a little more accurate for the person um, or uh, it's delivered for the person. And then it talks specifically how that you – can work better with the other types um, and where, like which type might you have the most difficulty working with um, and give you tips and tools to, to do that. So, so then when we get in the session, we kind of plot everybody up and say, okay, where is everyone? Um, so it's kind of a good visual to see that. And then I have people do, and I explain what the, what all the stuff means, um, what D means, what I means, et cetera. And then we have people do like a day in the life. So I'll get all the Ds together, I'll get all the I's, all the S's, all the C's, and kind of go up and draw however they want to display it. Just for the group, they have to come up with what a day in the life looks like with them. So it's, you know, it's not enough to just say that, oh, <clears throat> you know, Ds are very straightforward or I's are very talkative. But what does that mean? Like, and especially, you know, I haven't done it for, I could do it like for a family, I guess, but I do it more for, you know, uh, people in the workplace. So what does a day in the workplace look like for you? What do you do? What happens? Um, um, so when we do that, you know, we take 15, 20 minutes for people to do that. Then they report back out to the group and share and people can ask them questions, but it gives really good insight into <clears throat> how, those people behave, how they want to behave, what makes them feel good, what, um, what type of situations are they okay with. Um, and so everybody kind of goes through that. Um, and then we, we talk about uh, part of it is, is like people reading. So um, I give them tips on how to quickly, without going through the, the whole session and finding exactly who you are, um, you could quickly read what a person is. So you're going into a meeting and you kind of get a sense if you haven't met them before, if you don't know their disc style, um, you could quickly ascertain which bucket might they fall in so that you can come up with a, an approach on how to, to work with them. Um, and then we go through the last piece is uh, really thinking about how to work. Well, there's two other pieces. One is uh, focusing on having them read their report and go over and talk about how they can better work with um, people with other styles. Um, so I have them, you know, read their that part of the report and think about one or two people that they, you know, typically it's harder to work with them, right, um, and kind of ascertain, well, what might their style be, and then working groups to talk through ideas of how to best work with those people. Um, and then the last piece, we do this gallery walk where we have people, again, start in their buckets and talk about um, what their, two, their top two strengths are and their top two overextensions are. So when they get in that stress mode, what do they do? And everybody then everybody goes to the next one. So the people that were at D go to I, and they write what they think an I's strengths are um, and a and an overextension. It's just a real eye-opening uh, view and also a good 
potential time for a team to have a conversation um, all around being having better interactions with each other and understanding what the other um, styles are like and and what that means. So it, it's really fun and it really opens people's eyes up to, wow, how can we be better collaborators, better um, better communicators with each other? Because in the end, and I think that's why I do it, I know you haven't asked me this question, but what got me excited about this, uh, there's two things like that got me excited. One, uh, part of the DISC facilitation, there's another piece that includes, that incorporates um, Patrick Lencioni's book, Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Um, so it walks, so not only does it talk about DISC, but then we can walk through um, the content in his book around the, the five, the pyramid of things that have to happen for good teams to work together. So that's actually what kind of sparked some of my interest. But the other thing is I'm all about uh, collaboration and that, that the reason, you know, everything we do today, no matter what your role is, you're collaborating with other people. I don't think anybody, um, and I'm sure there are roles where it's completely siloed, but um, a major, overwhelming majority of us are collaborating with other people. Even you and I, you know, a simple thing like this radio show, right, that takes collaboration and making sure we're on the same page with what we're going to talk about and how we're going to do different things, right? So uh, collaboration doesn't just mean, you know, with a whole group, like with 10, 20 people it, or five people. It could just be one-on-one -on -one interaction and collaboration. So that, And that's what this really helps with. And I think if more teams focus on that um, and that type of those activities, how they can work better together, then, you know, anything can be solved. Very interesting, very interesting. Now, you know, and this always piques my interest because I'm always about, you know, continuous process improvement. And right. you've got yeah. to look at the, the whole aspects. It's not just always process and the tools. You know, you've got to look at the people, and, and, and then that takes you to, you know, the different behaviors and, and personalities. And, you know, we, right. we talk about... Uh, you know, our show centers around technology, IT type projects, mm -hmm. and so, um, and and even when we talk about requirements, we talk about requirements as a team sport. And so, you know, I can't speak for other industries, but I know how important the team is. I mean, you don't, we don't have success in IT unless the the team is, you know, working together and collaborating. Um, now, one of the questions I, I've had, and I just wonder what your experience is since you've been doing a lot of facilitation and, and working in the space of different behaviors, but is there a trend where you see that developers are of one type of behavior group and then maybe PMs come from another and BAs mm -hmm. maybe from another, you know, because it's something about our personalities that, you know, maybe – steer us in a particular, you know, direction. Like a, a BA has to be um, detail-oriented in, in a way. So is there – do you ever see a general trend that trend with that? Yeah, I think the – you know, so my apologies to all the PMs out there, but PMs, you know, might be more in the B space, right, that they're, they're that results-oriented group. Um, I, th I think in the – there's such a wide variety of types of people that, at least in 
in the the world that we play in day in day out um like it's not it, there might be more it might lean more one way um i actually maybe that would be good for me to start compiling like titles and uh i'm going to see if i can look and maybe other people have this too that we can figure that out so i do think there's some some truth to that that there are you know um people in different positions would tend to be you know, more towards a certain type. But, like, you even look in the BA space, like, I'm an I, right, um, because, you know, my behavior is more of that talkative, demonstrative, enthusiastic, and, and I play a – there's a BA role for that on a team. Um, but then there's also a lot of BAs that are Cs, right, that are maybe more – doing more of the documentation that, you know, a lot of C is also, like, very analytical or skeptical. So, um, and skeptical can be a good way. I think BAs need to be skeptical, right? They need to challenge and be like, hmm, that doesn't, you know, let's dig deeper into that. That's not feeling right to me. So, um, so BAs kind of span, I would say BAs span, like, I, S, and C. Um, you don't find, you probably wouldn't find too many BAs in the the D side, but, um, and even with developers, I think they span the, the group. So there might be some that lean a certain way, but it's not clearly, at least in our space. Now I just did a, a facilitated session for a group of administrative professionals and they heavily, even though there was, there was some kind of spread, most of the group were in the S category, right? Uh, with the steadiness. And one of the big things in S is supportive, right? So there, that's a very supportive role. Um, so there were like, yeah, I think I had 12 people. So there were like uh, eight in S, and there were two in I, one in D, and one in in C. Um, so so that was an area where, yeah, it was clearly, and I wasn't surprised, right? I, in that group, I was not surprised. I figured there was going to be mostly S's. So I think there would probably be some uh, professions or some roles that definitely lean that way. Um, but that's not always not always the case. Okay. Okay. Understandable. Understandable. You, you know, the, the other question is, do you sometimes find, um, because I've heard this as well, is that a lot of times uh, a manager will hire, you know, someone that aligns with their type of style and mm. and, and, and that's said in general. But is that the same too? Like like you mentioned, you end up with a team of all one particular behavior style and can that kind of skew? Do you, do you need balance in, in any team that, that you have? I mean, what are the pros and cons of that? Yeah, I, th I think, you know, there there are people that, tend to, they want to be around people that are like them, right? So it's no surprise that, you know, especially people in the I space, they want to be with people that are excitable and want to talk about things. And um, so when they deal with people that are more on the C side, which are more serious, more skeptical, more challenging, more linear in their thinking, um, that could be frustrating, right? So it, it makes sense, and vice versa. The yeah, I don't want because I'm an I. I don't want to say I's are frustrated with C's. C's could get frustrated with the I's too because 
they're like, oh, my God, can you stop talking for one minute so we can figure out what we're going to do here? Um, so the, um, so it's, there's a tendency to do that, um, to, to be people, to hire people that you like to be around. But, I, you know, what I try to tell people is you don't, you don't want that. Um, you actually want a good balance, and you've got to make sure um, the balance is what helps with the success, right? If, if the eyes are talkative, coming up with ideas and doing all this stuff, and they don't have a good D, um, to kind of rein people back in and focus, okay, what are we going to focus on here? What are, what are we going after? Um, if you don't have, like I said, for me, I write, but I need someone that's a C to go through it. And, and, and times that I, I haven't used a C and I've published some stuff, and, you know, talking about, like, blogs, like, there, you know, I've missed stuff on either grammar or spelling. So I need, right, I, I need someone uh, on my team that, enjoys that stuff, or that's their behavior, and that's what they do. Uh, so it, having the balance, and I think this is with mostly everything, you want to have a good balance on the team to be successful. And I think, you know, people that are hiring people need to understand, well, or it's one piece of data, right? Understand what type of behavior styles do we have on our team, and is, are we lacking some, or is it causing issues by not having some? Um, and, and with that, I want to say, like, one of the things – so Wiley Publishing owns discs. So, like, I have to – when I do a session, I have to um, – I have an account that I have to then, you know, get people to sign up through kind of from a – so that they can take the exam. It's all kind of done through Wiley. And there – I mean, there's stuff that I had to, to sign and set on all their stuff that you can't um, use disc to – uh, as the the sole source of hiring somebody, um, so it's not it's not intended to be a um, a tool that will help you hire somebody. In the sense, you know, back to your point earlier, Jacqueline, <clears throat> that okay, I'm going to hire for a BA, and they need to be an I. Um, and so saying, okay, all I'm going to do is look for the eyes and then hire that person. It could be one of the pieces of data. But not the sole source of uh, of use to for hiring somebody. It's not intended for that. Gotcha. Yeah. And and I I noticed be, again as I kind of was pulling things together, you know, that there's a, a lot of conversation about that, um, uh, you know, uh, out there from a social perspective, and exactly what you're saying about being careful just using that as the sole criteria for hiring someone because you're still not even weighing their capabilities, you know, in, in their particular specialized field. I mean, I think it may fall under maybe soft skills, but you've got the hard skills and, and right. you know, everything in between as well. So uh, people have to be balanced when they're looking at hiring the, the right candidate. Um, and, you know, interesting enough, not every, you know, a lot of organizations, they don't use these type of tools and techniques. So you find yourself, you know, since you since you brought up hiring, you know, you find yourself, you're hiring that person. And, and like some people say, the person who interviews the best sometimes gets hired. Then it's not until they're in the group that you find out what maybe what behavior type they fall in, you know, over time and, and from observation and that type of thing. So oftentimes you, you get this, you get a very mixed bag. Um, and then, you know, it's kind of up to leadership um, to to kind of help them kind of gel. And so 
from one of the things you mm-hmm. talked about, the facilitated session, is to first be, you know, aware, even of yourself. Self-awareness is important, but then it could be like a team-building uh, type process, too, to kind of expose them to see that everybody brings something to the table. It's just when and how you utilize them. And I think that's so important of a good manager and, and leader, too, is to try to find where people, you know, fit in with their different, not just their skill sets, but now also taking into consideration their behavior. So it sounds right. very, very cool to to me. I mean, have you seen, and what, can you, do you have an example, like in a workshop where you kind of saw that aha or breakthrough that, uh, or, or how it, maybe even doing a retrospect and looking at a team that really uh, leveraged that type of exercise? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's pretty eye-opening. Like, the ones that I've done, I mean, people, it's, like, pretty quick. Like, ah, now I know, now I know why that person's acting like that or doing that, right? I mean, it's almost, it kind of takes the the personal side out of it. And what I mean by that is a lot of times people act a certain way, um, and they they uh, could assume or they have the sense that they're doing it onto them personally. Like they're trying, like the D's are straightforward to me because they don't like me and they, you know, they're, they're trying to, you know, push me and get me fired or doing something right against me. So it kind of helps take that out. And so once you know, like, Oh, that person's a D that's, that's their behavior. They're not doing it. They're not mean spirited. Right. Um, it's just how they act, how they, you know, what they tend to do. Um, and then know, okay, now knowing that, how can I um, interact with that person, right, so that they don't get into that stress mode where they overextend. And so the Ds are easy to, to pick on, uh, for lack of a better word with this, because um, they, tend, they can be the ones that could hurt the most feelings because of that straightforwardness <laughs> and that directness. Um, so, you know, so knowing, like, knowing that a D, that somebody's a D, and they're results-oriented, they're focused, they're independent, they, you know, they just want the information. Don't go off on tangents and, you know, having conversations about what you did over the weekend. Um, you know, so if you know that, then when you're going into a conversation with that person, you can be prepared and just stick to the facts, right? And then everybody's happy, right? Then they're real happy. Hey, thanks for getting to the point and, and, uh, and getting to what we were trying, you know, and staying focused on what we were trying to discuss. Um, and it, so it's not a, uh, it's not a personal attack, but if, if I go into an office with a D and I'll, I want to have a, uh, a longer conversation and be more, you know, touchy feely for lack of a better word, it's going to frustrate them. And then at some point they're going to say, Coop, just tell me what you came to tell me. Right. And then, then that could come over as, you know, then I can get defensive. Like, oh, why are they being so mean to me, right? Um, so kind of by understanding that, people get this aha moment like, oh, okay. So it's not, it's not that they were being mean to me um, or they were acting a certain way or, you know, why is the C kind of always asking me and following up and, you know, constantly on me about things um, that that's just, kind of their mode of behavior and that's where they're most comfortable so knowing that then you just you can now work with them better and give 
people what they want. You know, I believe in with interactions and communication and collaboration that, um, and I've probably said this before, I call it the platinum rule, that, you know, the golden rule is do unto others as you want done unto you with, uh, with communication, collaboration, interaction. You need to do unto others as they want done unto them, right? So just because I'm talkative uh, doesn't mean every you know, interaction I have with people, it should be a talk fest and, you know, this kumbaya kind of thing, right? Um, I need to know that, oh, okay, this person is more D, more of an S, more of a C. Let me adapt my style. And that's what DISC really promotes is being able to adapt your style to to meet the needs of other people. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I think that this you know, it would resonate even with, uh, you know, business analysts because, you know, we talk about stakeholder analysis and, you know, we talk about it in terms of analyzing our different uh, subject matter experts, the business versus the technical team. We probably can see probably a spread of, you know, the D, the I, the C, and the S. But now kind of flipping it to just looking inward, you know, to your, your team members and even your project manager, um, so, so we do some, you know, informal stakeholder analysis, but probably didn't really necessarily tie it as formally to something um, like this. But if you've got, you know, your team and you're trying to mature your team, I could see you kind of formalizing and doing this, and and so you could put some of those different, um, you 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 get a lot closer to the behaviors. And and the thing is, is something yeah. that you said is that if people kind of saw, even though people are different saw that as a strength, you know what I mean, that person that's being action-oriented. Cause, um, and, I, you know, I'm, my mind is everything's kind of um, mashing together because I was, can't remember if you and I had this conversation, but I remember <laughs> someone talking about, like, they would walk in a particular area, and they when they'd walk in the area, everybody jump up from the cubicle, start talking and chit-chatting. Everybody would join in the conversation, mm, and it's right. like, you know, and they could do that all day long, and then, you know, all the way right. up to lunch, and then they all go to lunch together, and <laughs> then they could go to a, a totally different group and walk in. Everybody was still heads down, didn't even necessarily acknowledge them, and then, like, until they, like, called out and said, hey, I got an announcement, I want to, you know, talk to you guys for a minute, they might look up, like, okay, what do you have to say? Because, you know, like, right. I'm ready exactly. to get back to work, yeah. you know. So yeah, they were saying give me, give me the information, right, and I'll I'll do my thing, right, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, sometimes, and like you said, that person, you could take it one way, but if you could see, hey, you got the people, heads down, there's stuff that's got to get done, you know, and and it was funny, the person that was talking about this was talking about they were facilitating the 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 real social group and it was like they never got anything done because even when they had meetings everything would break out they get off topic so they needed someone to keep driving them back to keep them on track because they were like that that group was never going to get there (laughs) you know you could have gave them equal amounts of work but that second group they you know so that you have to kind of respect you do need that person that keeps driving you along, which is why we need PMs. We, we you know, we, we talk about and joke about them, but they they have a role. They have, uh, you know, they're, they're needed. So all, every one of those, I, I can't imagine a project where you didn't have some type of balance a, across the, the disc, you know. Right, yeah, you definitely need You know, and you, you brought up stakeholder analysis. So I'm actually tomorrow teaching a stakeholder 
engagement workshop in Winnipeg. And, you know, and you know kind of what it takes to, to update material. So I didn't update the course. I didn't have the time to update the course, but I, I'm weaving in the conversation. And we'll probably update the course at some point to, to have this content in there. But I'm weaving into the conversation about um, when I get to how are you going to communicate with the different people on involved in the the team, like being able to quickly read the, you know, your sponsor, your developers, your QA analysts, all your team members, your PM, other subject matter experts that you're going to deal with, and all, you know, those primary people that you're dealing with day in, day out, you need to be able to read them and understand how you're going to approach them. Um, and so it's not like at a, and I think what people do at a high level is put, you know, some high-level personas, like, okay, this is a manager, so they're going to want um, high-level data, maybe some one-pagers. This person is the developer. They're going to be more detailed-oriented and want more information. Well, I mean, maybe, right? I mean, that could be a good starting point, but you really have to go deeper than that and and don't just put people in buckets. So back to your point about, you know, do, do professions or titles kind of fall into one role? I really don't think... You can't just rely on that as um, the standalone point. You've got to go deeper with your stakeholder analysis to really understand the individuals that are on your team, not just by title. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, now let, let's talk about, because we talked about using it and facilitation stakeholder analysis. And, and let me just, you know, even for those who are listening in, um, how do they go about, can you do your own self-assessment? Is it something online? Do they have to go through a, a facilitator? How how do you even, you know, do your own if you just want to kind of know where you fall? You know, that, that's a good question. I don't know if you can go through. Um, so there is, you know, I've hooked up with a, a team in Atlanta that are distributors. I think I think the whole model, and I I just haven't looked online, but, um, you might be able to go out and do one yourself directly through Wiley. Um, or, you know, so what I do, I work through what, what Wiley has these distributors set up. So, like, I go and purchase X amount of exams for if I'm doing the workshop, and then I, you know, I could then send links out to the people that I'm dealing with. Um, so you can contact me, and I can do it for you uh, or help you get that. Um, or you might be able to go online. I, you know, that's a good question. I just never, um, I haven't looked into that. Okay. Because I okay. worked through that. And just give me your contact information yeah. anyway in case maybe there's some people that want to do it for their, their teams or, you know, find out more about how to uh, arrange for one of your facilitated sessions. Yeah, sure. Well, you can contact me by phone, 404-939-5873. Or, or emails, another good way, coop, K-U-P-E, at b2ttraining.com. Awesome. And you can find, awesome. Me on, find me on LinkedIn. I think I'm the only coop out there on LinkedIn. So you can, that's another great way to connect with me on LinkedIn and then uh, send me a message and we can get it started. Excellent. That's K-U-P-E, just one name. That's right. <laughs> 
so let me tell let me ask you, have you ever in your experience or does this ever come up? Can people be too extreme in their 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 one area? You know, cuz most people sometimes you're kind of a a blend or do people change over time? I mean, do, does that ever come up? Yeah, so you there are like life events that could change your style. Um there's a couple of things. So uh, let me a- answer the first part of that is like can people be too extreme? Um yes, I mean I, I think you I don't know if too extreme, but you can be extreme in one area. You know, so if this the way visually the way they do it, it's this circle with these four quadrants in the circle. Um so where you land kind of um, determines how strong you are in one spot. So if you're in the middle of that quadrant and up to the top of the circle, then, like, you're really strong. That's, like, your major strength. Um, but if you're closer to, like, one of the other – so, like, I'm in I. If I was closer to D uh, or S, then my, I don't – I have a – like that secondary one, um, or how close you are to the center. There's some people that are very, they're in I or they're in D, but they're very close to the center. So that, that shows that their, whatever their behavior style is, is not um, uh, excessive or, you know, it's not that strong. Um, even though they're a D, but they still have a lot of tendencies. Now, now with that, what people do, so... Now, over time, it, you might change uh, with either the type of work you do or um, some major life event that changes, you know, a, a death um, in the family. If someone really close could just change your whole attitude and how you approach different things. So, um, or something traumatic in your life that happens can change, um, change that behavior style. Um, but at what people do, so it's not it's not like you're always in that behavior all the time. Um, that so with disc the with this behavior kind of assessment, it says what you're typically in, what you typically are. But that doesn't mean you can't um, flip to another one, right? Um, so for example, for me, I'm I. Like the opposite for me is the the conscientious, which is the detailed oriented people. Um, or behavior style, sorry. Um, so I don't, I don't like that, but I can dip into that role, right? If I know, okay, you know what, we have nobody right now is something's getting published on our website and nobody's looking at it. You know, I know, like as the president, we got to make sure someone looks at it. So either I get somebody or then, or I jump into that space um, to do it. So you can, it's not like you can't go into other spheres. Same thing with, like, results-oriented. So I, I could be with a group of people, and we're talking about ideas, and we're generating great stuff, but at some point I know we have to get something done. So I'll slide over into the 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 dominance spot or behavior style and, and try to bring, get some convergence with the group to come to uh, – to consensus or some buy-in on what our focus is going to be so that we can actually get something done. So I think, you know, people go in and out of their typical behavior style based on the environment. Um, so that's constantly happening. And that's, a, that's one of the other things we talk about in the, 
in the session too about when you start to dip in and out of your role or your sorry your behavior style. Exactly, exactly. You know, I'm I'm going to deviate a little bit and be spontaneous here. Oh, (laughs) all right. Where's she going with Uh, this? That's part of being an I. So I I assume I would if I had to read you, you're more of an I to me. I don't know if you've taken this one before. Uh, I think you have a lot of I in you. Um, I might be wrong, um, but. Like it's funny that I try now I you know that I've been doing this for a little while I try to try to read people and understand where they're where they fall exactly and and you know I and I I I probably now I'll, I'll be honest and and this may be related to the the whole topic sometimes I feel like I'm really bad at taking these personality and behavior tests because I think first of all I second guess all of my answers. But, you know, because sometimes, like, when I'm reading the questions, I'm always going, well, sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not. You know what I mean? So, and and so I get, I, I, I psych myself out on these tests. But, right, yeah. Um, okay. You know, on the one, because it, I think the other thing and something that you said is, like, I sometimes maybe I have two personalities because I have a personality when you naturally let me do what I want to do when I want to do it, and then there's probably the one because of job roles and responsibilities and and accountability that I you know I make sure and I always go above and beyond and that type of thing. So in that respect, yeah, it may come across that I'm very steady and follow up and you know that type of thing. But yeah, you know, and so like you said, sometimes you have some of these traits because of your job role or the type of role that you have and over time you've learned to compensate or you have your different techniques because I you know just even recently I'm like you I'm probably the worst person when like I'm just trying to get ideas on a piece of paper or in a document and I'm not always the conscientious one that's you know I always need someone to help me proofread but and I was just talking to someone that we were talking about a technique where you read everything backwards in order mm. to, you know, try to catch things. Um, and so, you know, it's like you, you develop different techniques to try to compensate because you've got to kind of right. balance yeah. yourself out. You know what I mean? So I, I, I can totally see see that too. And, and, you know, that was related to one of the things that, you know, if you did your own self-assessment, then is it important for you to try to adjust and and and, and try to um, you know use some, incorporate some of these other techniques, especially if you find yourself on that spectrum where you're kind of very strong in that area. I mean, what what do you guys recommend as coaches? Yeah, so I think you know there's no the one thing is there's no right or wrong uh, behavior style, right? It's not like D is better than I or C is worse than S. You know, I mean, it's not that at all. It's just the facts, right? I mean, it's reality. So um, it's really just knowing who you are and what you lean towards most of the time. So that's, you know, one of the things you brought up is that, you know, you were questioning, well, sometimes I'm more like this than I am like that. I mean, the, the advice we give when filling it out is like, what is natural to you? What would you what would you like to do? How would you, like, what's most important to you? And I don't have one of the, I wish I had one of the previews and I would have given you an example of the, uh, some of the questions that are asked, you know, um, 
to to get a sense. But it, and then you order them like one, two, three, four, and the way they do it too, you know, they repeat a lot of stuff. Like a lot of these assessments, it's repeating types of things and asking it in a different way or putting it with different things to kind of then in the end determine what do you lean more towards. So the, it tries to eliminate, you know, some of the the back and forth struggle that some people like you have potentially of of making a decision. But we also try to get them to think about, um, again, because we're doing it work-related, like at work, because I think I'm a little different at home than I am at work when it comes to DISC, uh, because I have to be, and to your point, like at work you have to be uh, a certain way um, because of your role and whatever your responsibilities are. So you might have a different behavior style at work than at home. But I think in the end you're still either home or work, there's a lot of traits um, that are similar. Now, the other piece to that was um, to coach to to learn other styles. I don't, I don't necessarily think it's uh, to learn other styles, but to be aware that, so back to the point um, that I made earlier, is like, yeah, so being detailed-oriented and, and checking and proofreading documents is not my strength, but be aware that do we have somebody if the 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 job the role the the outcome requires that to be happening do you have somebody there to do it and if not step in and you know suck it up and do it or make sure somebody's in that position and even like even noticing you know so if there's a group of of people just idea generating um if the if the outcome is for us to do something then you got to somebody's got to step into that role to to get more get more focus back to the group, um, or make sure you have somebody on your team that will do that for you at the time that's necessary, and be that one that enjoys that, right? That naturally does that. Um, but at the same time, those people that are more focused need to give the the other people like we can't just come up with one idea and just run with it and just go and say, yeah, we did it, um, we got the job done. Well. Yeah, but you didn't give enough time to generate enough ideas that we focused on the right thing. Um, so does that does that answer the question? Is that where you were going with that? No, absolutely. <laughs> it, it, it definitely does. And, you know, it, it, it also relates to uh, another question because um, in working with people that are small businesses, starting business, you know, entrepreneurs, it's like, I think that this is really important because you have to understand what what your strengths are, but you have to balance because like when you have a team you you you've got you could have the different uh behavior types and you guys can all balance each other out, but sometimes the entrepreneur or the solopreneur some people call it uh you're kind of uh working in that vacuum and you might not see that you're missing uh in or some of the uh back to what we said before you might be stressed because um you're not realizing that there's these other behaviors that uh, are are the opposite of what you naturally are but you have to find ways to make sure you balance and and you know that that goes along with sometimes it's like the thing that I don't enjoy doing the most I force myself to do that first. Go ahead and get it out the way because otherwise 
the reverse is, is I always do that area that I'm most comfortable with and right. that comes naturally to me. So get the, you know, focus on, like, if I need to proofread something, do it early in the morning, right after I've had my coffee, <laughs> and, and, and go ahead and I've got the most focus. And then I could do the play, the stuff that I like to play and do, you know, the you know throughout the day because I'm yeah, going to find the energy that for that. Right, exactly. Yeah, there was a book I read. And I'm drawing a blank on the the name um, and the author, but he talked about it was like I think he called it the grandma method or something. It's basically like thinking about with kids, um, like they have you know if you want dessert, you have to eat your vegetables, right? Um, and they'll so first do the things that you don't like, and then you'll always find room for the vegetables right? <laughs> or for the dessert, no matter how full you are. Uh, but you have to do that. Uh, and it's the same thing for work, you know. So your your approach is what he was promoting: that do the stuff you don't like to do first, um, while you have the energy, and then the stuff you love to do, save for later, because you'll always have, you know, time for that, and you'll always have energy for that. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so you, I didn't forget what I told you. I was going to be spontaneous, and, and what yeah, I did yeah. was when I was. <laughs> when I was doing a little bit of research, I found uh, some where they showed the D, the I, the S, and C, and they um, matched up some of the celebrities that some of us are uh, well-known. And I just wanted to kind of throw these by you to see would you have thought that they fell in there or where you could see, you know, just from what we know of them, that how they fall into that. So, And it also helped people kind of, on the phone, since all this is on the, the, the radio, kind of visualize and say, okay, now I kind of can relate to what they're talking about. So I'm going to throw out the, the name and the celebrities and then, you know, see what comments that you might have on them. But okay. under the, the the D for dominant, they had, in the other uh, words that they had was dominant, determined, demanding, driving, doers. And they right. had none other then uh, Donald Trump, <laughs> mm-hmm. they had Sarah Palin, they had Michael Jordan, and they had Barbara Walters. So uh, yep. w- is, is that who you would have uh, thought in those areas? Yeah, like other people would be like Jack Welch, you know, like those kind of CEOs that are, you know, Jack Welch was a the GE CEO, very results-focused. Everything he did, you know, he had his, employees fell into buckets and the, the bottom 10 got fired and blah, 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 all that. So it was all, it was all about getting to the results. Same thing with Donald Trump. You know, I don't know Barbara Walters as much, um, but, or at least from personnel, because all I see is her on air. I don't know much about her off air um, personality or behavior style, but I do, Michael Jordan was that it was all about results, right? And you hear stories now about him and uh, that he was just a pain in the butt to work with, right? Because he wasn't <laughs> about, you know, if somebody was screwing up, he probably just said, you know, you're screwing up, get better, right? Um, and wouldn't be, you know, that um, more of an influencer to try to make that happen or a collaborator to make that happen. Um, so, yeah, no, that acts, you know, Donald Trump, you know, well, he says enough for himself, so we don't have to go into that right now. 
<laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay, so here's my my eyes, and and this is what's interesting. There's successful people in all of these categories, so it just goes to show that not right. one exactly. is better than the other. But right. um, eye for influencing, impressive, uh, interactive, inspiring initiators is is uh, how they categorize it. Yep. And we have Oprah Winfrey, we have mm-hmm. Dolly Parton. We have uh, Jay Leno, and we have Drew Carey. And if you want to throw in, you know, I'll put Trump in the politician category now. Um, you know, a politician that would be like someone like Bill Clinton, right? Mm, um, yeah. That would fall into the eye. Right. So all those people are very engaging. All right. I mean, they're they bring you in. They're inspiring, influential. They're um, and, and you like them. You want to be around them. Those are the t- and yeah, and that's the like all those people that you named. I can't, I can't argue with any of that. You know, so you know most talks. You know, so you have Jay Leno and Oprah. Um, most of those type of talk show hosts, you know, um, are like that. Maybe not, you know, Rush Limbaugh, um, or you know some of the the argumentative, you know, on. on all sides or whatever issue it is, there's argumentative type hosts. Those those hosts are very warm, engaging type people. So, yep, that makes perfect sense. Awesome. Okay, so actually, I guess I should do the C comes next. Uh, so let me do the C, which they have down for cautious, competent, creative, curious, and coordinators was. Uh, for the C, and they have Condoleezza Rice, they mm-hmm. have Bill Gates, actually, and they yeah. have Albert Einstein. Uh, those those were the, the three that probably most people would, would recognize. Yeah, so they're, um, you know, they're, obviously Albert Einstein would be about the data and the facts and you know, very detailed-oriented and, you know, as a scientist and uh, engineer, a lot of those people kind of fit into there because they're looking for the data. They're focusing on quality and making, you know, as a scientist doing testing and making sure they're doing it right and validating the data, um, all that stuff. Um, They're also, you know, it's about high standards, too, with that group. So, you know, I think most of us can agree Condoleezza Rice you know, it's pretty, as far as I know, I haven't heard any uh, <laughs> any other news about her, but very, you know, upstanding, high standard type person, uh, high value kind of person. So that those those all make sense. Absolutely. And I do want to then... reiterate, if, if people didn't pick up on your comment before, I just want to reiterate that point uh, that in each of these groups, they, they're all successful people in their own right. Um, whether you like them personally or not, that that has nothing to do with it, but they're very successful. So it doesn't, that's why it goes back to with these profiles, they're not, one is not better than the other um, or will guarantee that all I's are going to be successful and all C's won't. That that has nothing to do with it. Um, So you should be comfortable with where you are. I guess that's the, that's the whole point. Because sometimes people get like, oh man, I, I didn't think I was a C, you know, blah, blah, blah. It, and it, it's okay, right? Um, 
it's not going to, it doesn't determine your future, right? That <laughs> you're, you know, you're going to be uh, a failed employee or, or not, or a successful one, right? It has nothing to do with that. It, it, exactly. And, and that that's why I, I, I made that point too, because some people, you know, will um, tend to think that you should be working toward one particular letter or that your letter is not as good as the other. And that's where I think right. um, the the team, it, to really respect, and, and it goes back to something I always talk about is diversity. You have to respect the diversity and that each one of them are needed for there really to be what we call, you know, an agile, that well-performing team. And so instead of kind of knocking or it being derogatory that you're a D or I or a C, they, they all have, they're all, that, that's a strength. So how as a team right. do we leverage that and everybody is uh, performing in a space that they're comfortable and enjoy, you know, that type exactly. of thing. Exactly. So. Right. No, no, that's exactly it. Right. And, you know, that's a good point about the, the teams that you're on. One, respect the diversity, but, be on a team that needs that, uh, you know, that will allow you to be in that space more often than not, right? Um, and I think sometimes people um, get put into positions, and this is, you know, good for managers too, to think about um, their teams and how to operate. I was talking to someone last night about managers, how managers, uh, some managers got put into roles and, um we were talking about like training in general. So like managers get put in roles, but they're not trained and then it causes, causes problem. Like you can't just assume that somebody, uh, because even if they're, you know, good communicators and they're, they're good collaborators, um, they, they still might not be a great manager. Right. Um, so you need to, to help them along with that. And so what good managers need to do is look at their team and make sure their team makeup uh, that they have the right people and the right mix of these behavior styles so that the team can function uh, properly and most effectively. Exactly, exactly. exactly. You know, I got, I have one more letter, so in, in fairness, just to round this, this yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, yep. <laughs> the last one was uh, S and the category they they the, the, um, the how they describe it is supportive, sensitive, steady, stable servants. And who we had there was Jimmy Carter, we had Laura Bush, and we have Jimmy Stewart, and we have Michelle Obama. Ah, yeah. Yeah, they're those loyalists, supportive. Um, you used a lot of the good words. Something that I saw a while back um, had, uh, one of my, I'm losing his name, Berkshire Hathaway, um, you know, the huge investor. Uh, do you know who I'm talking about? Um, I don't know why I'm out of uh, Omaha. Um, okay. But he's, you know, the biggest investor in the world. I don't know why I can't think of his name. But um, but he's oh, that traditional not loyalist. You're not talking about Warren Buffett. Yeah, Warren or... Buffett, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. Thank you. Thank you. I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was so, yeah, I, I was like, well, know he... that name, right. You know, right, but he's exactly. also so he also falls in. I've seen him them saying like he falls in that category too, right? Um, uh, that he's that S, that traditionalist, the loyalist, stable, organized, um, 
patient, good listener, enjoys collaboration, right? I think so. So this is the guy with I don't know how many billions of dollars, right? In, in investment style, that is a supportive person, right? So it, um, you know, back to what we were saying, you can you can be successful in any of these in any way, whatever, however you define success, right? Um, Exactly, exactly. So, you know, uh, again, so, you know, from time to time organizations come to you, they they want you. Is it usually that they're in trouble or it's just out of just trying to, um, you know, just get their team more well-performing? You know, so so when when are some of the environments that you've been brought in uh, and what were they looking to get out of, like an assessment? Yeah, I think it's, it's all about what, whether it's in a, an open kind of session where individuals are just trying to understand how can they interact better with other people that they deal with day in, day out, or teams um, or groups, you know, realizing, you know what, this could really help us um, collaborate better. You know, the, the organizations that recognize collaboration is key. And, and I think, you know, I think too often, especially, you know, in our arena, especially with agile teams, and I think some of the frustration struggles come about because teams get formed. And it sounds great, right? I mean, on the surface, it's like, oh, yeah, let's, you know, let's collaborate. Let's, you know, we're, we'll work closely together. Well, and you've probably seen this a ton, too, where people just aren't getting along. And now they're being forced <laughs> into this model right, where they have to talk more often. And, and it, then it becomes like a conflict, right? It's like, oh, we're supposed to be agile. We're supposed to be having these conversations, but I really can't talk to this person or I struggle working with this person, and now i got to do it all the time. And people, you know, have these internal, external conflicts. And so I think just putting a team together and saying, okay, go forth and be a, you know, self-managing team, go for it, is – is a little short-sighted. I mean, you can get there, but this is one way using, you know, the DISC profile assessment to to help the teams realize how everybody likes to act and their behavior style and what's the best way to interact with them. Then you really take it to the next level, and then, then I think you can take advantage of a lot of the the great stuff that's related to to agile and the appro- the agile approaches. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, um, you know, and we, we've already kind of uh, tied it back to uh, the the whole business analyst role. You know, you can kind of use this, this knowledge. So even um, kind of understanding and diving a little bit further into uh, the different behavior styles, you can use it. I'm thinking, you know, when you're doing stakeholder analysis, you can do it when you're doing facilitated sessions. Um, so much of what we do is dealing with people's personalities and different personality types, and so trying to find their their motivation and you know even how you're communicating with them and maybe some assumptions you're making about them, and so it could right. really just you know de-stress de- some things that you know to like what you said that you think people may be acting out in a certain way, but it's just what feels natural and comfortable to them. It's not anything towards you. It's um, it's their style. So right. I, I can really yeah. see just, just kind of under, un, you know, 
diving into this a little bit more and, and understanding this, it would be would help people. Yeah, I think you know, like earlier in my career, um, I worked with a. Now I know that she's kind of in the dominance space, right? Um, but I was a, a younger BA, and and I'm more of the I. So I come into a meeting, um, and I, you know, I start like having small talk with this the stakeholder, and I think I was talking about baseball or something. She's like don't talk to me about baseball, let's get to work. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, what a pain in the butt. You know, I probably used other language, <laughs> um, you know, but I'm thinking, like, oh, my God, who is, like, what's her freaking deal, right? You know, it's like, chill out. Well, I can't, you know. Um, but, you know, if I had this knowledge about DISC at that time, I probably, it would have been okay. And now, actually, this person is a, a really good friend of mine. So, um so learning that that's her style, she doesn't, she's not being, and it could come across rude, right? I mean, that's why I mm-hmm. think the D's are the ones that probably have to watch out the most because it comes across rude. Like, even with eyes, like, when we upset people, people still, like, they almost feel bad, you know, saying something to us because because we're too talkative. But we're, you know, we're the the group of styles that, you know, because it was, who would you talk about? Who were the people? Oprah Winfrey, right? Uh, Jay Leno. Um, and Dolly Parton. I think and Dolly Carey. Parton, right? Like, how could you, you know, you love, how could you not love Dolly Parton, right? Um, so people could come, but people like look at these when they get like in their overextension, they're just rude people, right? Um, so it's easy <laughs> to, to see that. And you feel that way, but knowing that, oh, okay, that's, so you were talking about facilitation. That's, that's something like you're going into a facilitated session and you know the people that are going to be in that meeting, right? Um, like two things go on. Like you need to think, wait a minute, I got a bunch of I's and a bunch of D's in the room. Is that the best approach here, right? Or how do mm-hmm. I make sure that they're the right people in the room? How do I make sure everybody is good? How do I make sure that the I's feel like they've their voice has been heard and they were able to – to talk through things and make the D's feel good that we're getting to a result and that we are going to stay focused on something, right? So it's like those little things, right? So so what people do is people focus on, okay, how do I – and what they want to learn about is how do I set up a facilitated session? How do I do this technique in a facilitated session? And, yes, that's good and that's important, but if you go off and do that technique without knowing like who those people are in the room, is that technique going to work with them, right? It's not like every technique is good for every type of person, right? Maybe these are the people that you just have one-on-one interviews because they want to take 10 minutes because that's all you really need to talk about a topic and just get my information and go to the next person where the I's or the S's, they want to be in a group. Don't come to me and talk to me one-on-one, get me in a group. I want to be around people. I want to hear their ideas, too, because that might formulate new things for me. So it's um, it's thinking through not just the techniques that you can use to elicit information, but um, using the right technique based on those styles or at least know going in, well, how do you have to set this up to make everybody comfortable um, 
Because, it, like, if you don't set it up right, if there is a brainstorming-type activity and you don't set it up right with some of those Ds, they're going to, like, you could probably see the their temperature rising, right? The, the smoke's coming out of their ears because they're like, what are we when are we going to get to a result, right? When are we going to get to the focus area? So without setting it up to them and saying, okay, here's what we're doing. We're going to time box for 15 minutes. Here's how we're going to brainstorm. And then we're going to pick which is the best topic to start focusing on, right? Then then the Ds are like, okay, in 15 minutes, we're going to get to what I want to talk about. Um, so, so it's not just the techniques. It's also understanding these behavior styles so that you make everybody feel good and want to be part of it and want to be engaged in the initiative that you're working on. Exactly, exactly. And, and you know, and, and the other reality is sometimes you don't get to read the room until you walk in. Right, <laughs> so it, right. It's like, and that's where you've got to have your toolbox and kind of, you know, change up on the fly because even like what we talk about, we, we're facilitating every time we walk in a classroom, we're facilitating that learning experience. And so that Monday morning, that's our first time meeting some of, you know, meeting those people. So right. that's the other piece is the more, and that's why I said it, it, I think this is great, you know, from a, a learning perspective so that you can look for, know what you're looking for, knowing what you're seeing manifest itself, you know, in front of you, like you said, when the people start checking out or getting impatient or, you know, that type of thing. Because something that you just said, sometimes I notice we might set up an exercise and you have certain people that are just rushing through it. They're just just trying to get to the point. You have others that are just taking their time. They're really trying to soak it in. So now now it's going to make me go back and look and go, okay, that's a, probably an I that, you know, is really wants right. to make sure they get every inch of this. And the other one just like, okay, next exercise. I'm done. Let's get you it know? done. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. we just – so our – the her instructor told us we got to get the exercise done. What's the fastest way that we can get it done, right? <laughs> not exactly. that, you know, they're uh, – they might not be learning as much. And, yeah, then you have the I's that want to collaborate and the S's want to collaborate. And, um, yeah, it's it's very different. Yeah, and Absolutely. you have to – that's what, you know, when I did the session two weeks ago, um, so it was a public kind of environment. The, like so many people were walking out of there. The, the portion around people reading was like they felt that was, you know, worth its weight in gold because that's – what it helps you do is, again, not that you're going to nail them 100%. And there was actually a girl in the class that um, I tried. So when everybody came in and we were starting the session and we were having some conversations, I tried to do my own reading of the group. And uh, most of the people I had close, this person I I was actually way off. Um, And so it's, it's not always perfect, the people reading thing, but for the most part, you're going to get really close, um, you know, without going through the whole, uh, without having everybody in the organization go through the whole DISC assessment. Um, if, if you can quickly read somebody, then it, um, it definitely helps, especially like in situations that you're in, right? Um, you're going into other organizations and you're not, you can't say, okay, hey, I'm coming on site to do some work. Um, everybody go fill out this DISC assessment before I get there. <laughs> um, you, know, you can't do that. You have to um, just jump in and quickly 
um, assess those people. Exactly, exactly. Now that, that is very, very and um, intriguing, and 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 I definitely want to read and learn more about it. And you know, to our audience again, we're talking about disc uh, behavior uh, assessment, so you can understand different people on your team and um, learning how to kind of work, appreciate, and even hone your own behaviors, you know, to, to so you can optimize. That That's ultimately what it's about because, you know, I think everything that we said kind of leads to the, the balance is, is what makes it, it work. And I think this is such a great topic, too, is because, like you said, you, it's almost like sometimes we talk about our family. You don't get to pick your family. Well, you don't always get to pick your teammates. Your you team, never get exactly. to pick them. You know, right. you're, you're put in the mix, and um, and then as managers slash leaders, um, I think that's important too. Is to to helping that team and, and helping it form. You know, the beautiful part of agile stressing kind of is a self-forming team. I could see where this could help the the team. It gives you um, some more information instead of just going off your gut because not everybody just by instincts understands, you know, different people and their behaviors and their motivations. So this would be a great kind of team builder for uh, a a new agile team or a, a team that, even as you know, during one of your retrospects, doing something like this, so absolutely, I think I absolutely. think it would be super cool. You know, the, the you know, other it, thing that oh, can I oh, can I please, just chime please. in one thing before I forget? Because mm-hmm. you you mentioned like you you don't always get to pick your family and you don't always get to pick your your team, but I think for those and you mentioned entrepreneurs and uh, solo uh I forgot how you said that solo solopreneurs <laughs> preneurs, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. I'd say that three times fast. Um, so, like with those with people in that position, where that's where you can pick your team, right? So, if you're solo, but you know where your strengths are and where the gaps are, then you could use this to not just understand who's on your team because it was assigned to you, but now you can use it to um, to pick that team and get the right people around you, right? It might not be full-time basis, but you might need people part-time that can help you meet the goals that you're after. Exactly, exactly. You're absolutely right. And, and you know, I, I want to circle back to, to one other thing that, that came up, too, uh, because for those of you who are out there, if you're, you're doing a little multitasking and, and tweeting, uh, uh, we're out there, and, and I've tweeted and shared uh, some of those uh, different pictures that we were talking about, as well as some references for DISC if you want some more information. And, you know, respond back to us. Uh, we'll be on Twitter after the show as well. I will. I know Coop's got to move on to his next engagement today. He's got a full day. But uh, talk with me on Twitter, and let's talk more about DISC and also other topics that you'd like to talk about. And our, uh, we'll be back with you in two weeks and continue our conversation on Ask the Analyst and, and questions that you have that will help you in the space of business analysis as well as project management. You know, at the end of the day, it's about project success. And what we've been talking about today is about a successful team is going to put out some successful projects. So all of it goes hand in hand. You know, one thing that I want to circle back to, and this might even be the foundation of a, another episode, you talked about the dysfunctional 
uh, teams, and, and I, I've heard that and I've used it in my own ways. You know, it's the five dysfunctions of a team, and I be, believe that was, is it Patrick, uh, let me see Len, if I have the name Len, right. Lencioni, Patrick Lencioni, yep. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at it, and I, I still might have, I was probably going to butcher that, but I think that, <laughs> in it, you know, that that's so important, too, because it's so easy to fall into the blame game and finger pointing and that type of thing, and I think that, you know, stepping back and understanding and seeing when there there's these different uh, tracks and, and uh, I, I would even say landmines that people step into on their, their project is as a team not turning against each other but more mm-hmm. understanding, appreciating. Because something you said very early on is that with these different behavior types, when you get stressed, you're going to see certain things, you know, how they react to their stress. So if you can see that coming, I think that in itself also um, is some of that cause and effect of what we see with the dysfunctional team. So just just really good stuff and, and understanding and appreciating yeah. each other and supporting people. How did you say it again, supporting people the way they need to be supported? Right, the way, yeah, the way they want. You have to interact with them the way they want to be interacted with, not the way you want to. Um, exactly. You know, so for me, I I have to know the other behavior styles, and if I can read those people, you know, to, to the D people, I'm not going to talk about, you know, unless they bring it up, right, I'm not going to start a conversation about baseball and how, you know, I'm in Toronto and talking about the Toronto Raptors and how they did last night in the game. Um because that, that's not what they want to do. They got things to do, right? Then they let's talk about the topic that we want to talk about and and move on. Um, so you have to. The more you're aware of that, the better. Um, and you know, one of the things that Lencioni talks about with dysfunctions, I just wanted to highlight this because I I hit on this in almost every talk I talk about that the the first layer for a functional team is making sure that the team has trusting relationships and and what he means about that there's it's not the type of trust of where you know if i say jacqueline can you you know we have a task and you know can you get this back to me by tomorrow and you say yes that i i trust you that you're going to get it back to me um that's not the trust he's talking about he's talking about the trust that no matter what i do or what i say that you know, we can be talking about something, and I say something um, that throws you off, or you don't agree with, and that you you judge me for that, right? Um, so I think uh, so. It's making sure that I feel comfortable with you, that no matter what I say or do, that you're gonna be there for me, and you're gonna we're still gonna work together, and we're still gonna have a good relationship. And I think, but to build that trust, um, you have to, or to have that trust, knowing everybody's behavior style. And knowing that everybody's going at this with positive intentions, that they're not acting in a way because they're trying to do something against you, um, that it's just their typical behavior style, then you can trust people better. Um, and then you can get up to the, you know, the, the second, third, fourth, and fifth um, layers of functional teams. So um, that by understanding the DISC behaviors, um, and the styles that everybody else has, then you can be a more trust, 
uh, worthy team or trustworthy person on a team. Excellent, excellent. Well, we have uh, taken up our we're, 90 we're minutes for this close. episode. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. When we first started talking about this, I'm like, there's no way – there's no way we're going to get through 90 minutes. I was like, I wonder how, what Jacqueline's going to throw in. That's why I thought you were going to be spontaneous. You were going to take us off uh, to a different topic or something, which would have been okay. But I was like, yeah, I don't. there's no way in 90 minutes. But, I mean, like most things that I'm passionate about, I could, I could probably go easily another 90 minutes um, and chat about this. So I'm glad uh, – I'm glad you brought this up and wanted to talk about this today. I think it's so important for teams and individuals, um, especially, you know, in the, the spaces that we talk to often. Absolutely. And and I was genuinely curious about this area. So some of my questions just were I was wondering, and, you know, I think that, you know, a lot of people have heard of some form or fashion of a personality test, but this may have give this may give them kind of a new kind of insight or thought process uh, uh, around it of how they can utilize it, apply it, and uh, how it can make projects and teams, um, you know, in those who are in maybe find themselves in that dysfunctional uh, space, kind of pulling themselves back. So I really wanted the audience to kind of just give it a second glance, even if you've done it before in the past, uh, revisit it, and um, and make it work for you. You know, I think that there's a lot of value there. And like I said, so much of the business analyst space is dealing with people of so many different personality types uh, and, and behaviors that it, it maybe uh, just give you another tool for your toolkit on how to work with them and how to make it better. So I, I enjoyed the topic a lot, and I hope our audience, awesome. as always, and um, please give us your feedback. Let us know if you want other topics like this. If you want us to uh, take it in a different direction, we'll go where you want us to go. So, again, <laughs> uh, even to Canada. So, <laughs> um so, Coop, enjoy. You know, I know you've got some more engagements today. Got a keynote to do this this evening, right. I believe. And, yeah, it's um, about three fifteen, about an hour and a half. Absolutely. So, um, you know, in the meantime, want to invite people to visit B2T Training's website to find about all the other great programs that B2T has. Um, anything? Any closing words that you have, Coop? No, I think you know the. Well, yes, I guess I always have something. I think, you know, especially around this topic, um, this isn't a – I think sometimes people consider this stuff like soft skill, you know, fluffy type things. But to me, this is the hard thing and where most people need to focus. And if you do decide to go down a path like this, whether it's DISC or other behavior kind of styles, like you have to take it to – it's not just good enough to go through like a workshop that I have or a session that I have. Um, you have to take it to the next level and keep keep working it, right? So we talked about doing the people reading or the people that you don't have. But if you do it with your team, don't let it sit, right? I mean, keep it visible. Keep talking about it and how you like to and interact and how you like to interact with other people so that you can get better. It's not a like a once-and-done type event. It's a consistent thing that you have to remind yourselves and your team of. 
Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for all of your insight. And um, until next time, and thank you, Javon, for your support and help on today's episode. And, again, thank you to all of our listeners. And until next time, um, this episode was brought to you by B2T Training. And thank you, Coop. So talk to you you. very soon. All right. All righty. This episode is sponsored by and features B2T Training. BTT Training has trained and equipped almost 15,000 of the most successful and high-performing practitioners of business analysis since the year 2000. Our courses are developed and taught by the most respected and highest qualified experts in the industry. Did you know that Coop is the president of BTT Training? If you like what you heard today, join us for one of our upcoming public classes to learn the business analysis tips, techniques, and best practices that he's talking about. We have several classes coming soon to Atlanta. Our Essential Skills for Business Analysis class will be offered May 16th to the 19th in Atlanta, which will be taught by Jacqueline, by the way, as well as July 25th through the 28th in Chicago. Essential Skills is our most popular and highest rated course. It's appropriate for beginners or experienced analysts needing to refresh or hone their skills. We also have a session of our Agile Value Management course scheduled for June 7th through June 9th. Jacqueline will also be teaching this class here in Atlanta. Don't miss her as she walks through how to use Agile to build the right thing with a customer-focused approach. After each of our classes, we also include ongoing enrichment and reflective activities that provide students the boost they need to sustain their learning and competency. In other words, we make it stick. Get your business analysis training from the most respected and highest qualified source of experts in the industry. Find out more about these public class offerings and others or call to speak with one of our training solution sales associates toll-free at 866 675 2125. Follow us on social media and visit bdttraining.com to see our full course outlines, blog, and free downloadable resources. We get it. We'll help you get it too. Hello, Tech Expresso listeners. Here are some key events regarding the BDPA 2016 National Conference. BDPA is an international organization with a diverse membership of professionals and students at all levels in the fields of information technology, computer science, and related STEM fields. BDPA's members are changing the world using technology. You can connect at their 38th Annual National Conference, Career Technology Expo, and Gala, August 10th through the 13th in Atlanta, Georgia. Register today at bdpa.org. Also, this year is the 30th anniversary of the High School Computer Competition, We want all HSCC alumni to join us in Atlanta. Also, for students, the National BDPA Mobile App Showcase, co-sponsored by McDonald's and State Farm Insurance, allows student application developers the opportunity to participate in a competition that allows them an opportunity to test their talents against others and develop a working, functional mobile application at no cost to themselves. The applications being showcased will represent three different categories, business, personal productivity, and gaming. Last year, there were four winners, and the winnings totaled up to $20,000. Go to bdpa.org and look under the programs for students 
for the instructions for the mobile app showcase. Also, at the conference each year, we recognize individuals in the tech profession and the top companies for blacks in technology. Thanks for listening to Technology Expresso. You have been listening to Technology Expresso Cafe Radio. For a full list of our podcasts, social media handles, and upcoming shows, visit our web portal at www.technologyexpresso.com. Join our text club and get monthly alerts of upcoming events and initiatives. Text the phrase, Full Seam Ahead, to 41411. Financial support and donations of any denominations are welcome. Your contributions help us sustain and reach undeserved communities who benefit from the many programs, role models, and technologists that we showcase. Thanks to our sponsors, partners, and thank you, our listeners. And remember, we encourage you to listen, learn, leverage, launch. The National BDPA Individual Pay Setters Awards recognizes members who have demonstrated exceptional results in one of three categories, career achievement, community service, and technology excellence. Nominations are accepted and evaluated by a team of national BDPA members. Nominations are due July 1, 2016, and one winner will be selected per category and announced on July 10, 2016. Also, the prestigious Top Companies for Blacks and Technology Award is presented annually during the National BDPA Technology Conference and Career Fair to the company that best demonstrates a workplace and environment that supports the advancements of African Americans in the information technology industry. Each year, National BDPA surveys Fortune 1000 companies to make assessments of their internal workplace and career development climates. Submit to awards at bdpa.org. That's awards at bdpa.org. As always, thank you for supporting BDPA, and thank you for supporting Technology Expresso Information Cafe.